Welcome to Let's Talk Tribe. Welcome to Let's Talk Tribe. This is your host, Jason Lucart, here for episode six. Uh, We're at the all-star break at the moment. So today, no baseball. Tomorrow, no baseball. It's a long couple days. Um, But the good news is the Indians charged into the break on a four-game winning streak, uh, including a sweep of the Royals in the final weekend. Um, good. You know, they're coming off a tough series against the Tigers, uh, losing three or four at home, starting to feel like maybe they're letting too much of a gap grow between them in first place. Uh, but now right back in the thick of it, only a game and a half back of Detroit, three games back of the Rangers who right now are sitting on that second wild card spot. And, uh, yeah, 51-44 record, pretty good. I certainly would have taken that before the season started, so I'm happy with it. And Friday we'll get the second half started, and hopefully the minutes is familiar to you, probably uh, most of all from Let's Go Tribe, where he's the editor, but also from episode one of Let's Talk Tribe. So my first repeat guest here to recap the first half with me and then talk about what we think might happen in the second half is let's go tribes editor and lead writer ryan richards ryan welcome back to the show and glad to be here so it's wednesday night of the all-star break um what are you doing to to pass the days without baseball well um i'm i was getting desperate i was going on youtube and looking at some old baseball videos there (laughs) So, you know, and doing some other stuff, watching some TV I've been kind of putting off for a while. But, you know, I, but still, four games, four days without baseball in the middle of the season, it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, when they, added I'm, I'm kind the, of when they added Thursday as another day off, which is a concession to the players, I, I can't blame the players at all for wanting another day off, especially the guys who are in the All-Star game and don't really get up much of a break. Uh but, yeah, it, it's hard to have that two days in a row without anything going on. So I'll be yeah, glad to get back to the action Friday night. Yeah, definitely. So, but, you know, it, it's it's probably good. It's probably, it probably gives you kind of a nice breather at least. Yeah, we, we, we should probably all have plenty to do in our lives without baseball, I suppose. <laughs> um, oh, really? Give me your... <laughs> <laughs> give me your you know, overall take on the the Indians' first half. How do you feel about it? Well, I guess when I kind of first start thinking of it, usually what I do is I go to baseballreference.com and, and pull up the Indians page on the stats page. And if, if you go, I, I always I always go immediately to the OPS plus column for the for the position players and the ERA plus uh, for the pitchers. It's I know it's not the and all be all, but it's a kind of a nice little oh. shorthand way of looking yeah, at it. Good things and, looking and, at. Yeah, and the thing that I was so so surprised is is what I didn't see, which is like some awful numbers from, especially the position players. I went right. through the first thirteen, you know, the highest thirteen, um, with the most thirteen players with the most played appearances, and that's virtually those thirteen players have virtually all the at-bats or plate appearances this season. Right. And the lowest OPS plus total is 90. And that's by Mike Avilas. 
that that's just shocking to me how 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 good the the offense has been. Not I mean not necessarily because they're on the top end and some players have done that, but on the low end, just nobody's been nobody's been a hole in the lineup. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. When you look at any team, uh, you know, if you have everyone at at least at league average, and then you've got, you know, just two or three guys above that, it's going to be a really good offense. And, and you're right. I mean, that's what the Indians have done. And, you know, Avila is to be, you said at, at 90, so 10% below league average for your utility infielder. I, I'm sure if you compared him to just other utility infielders, that's better than most. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about it, what you said that the, the top 13 guys, the, the pitching has had to be patched together a bit more, but you're right. The lineup has really just been those core guys with no one else playing in more than I think two or three games. Yeah. And, you know, after, after Jan Gomes, who's number 13, you have court Phelps who hardly anyone probably would remember right now. <laughs> then, right. Then, you know, John McDonald and, and so I, I, a lot of times it's not how good your lineup is, but how, how many holes are in your lineup. And especially with, you know, cause if you have one awful player that you have to play every day, that's going to eventually going to cost you. And, and thus far, right. even with injuries, and that's, that's the key is even with injuries, they've had someone on the bench that has, you know, has been able to, to fill a hole. And not you know yeah. be that hole in the lineup. Yeah, much much better depth than any Indians team in in recent years, and and a manager who I you know to the extent that I can tell the difference between managers, Francona is someone I feel like can take advantage of having a quality bench. You know, playing the matchups well. There's been some discussion of you know should Ryan Rayburn be playing more or do his numbers look as good as they do because he's playing at the right time. And, you know, I don't know. It's, you know, he could maybe be playing a little more, but his numbers are probably going to fall off either way. But in any case, he's starting, you know, two, sometimes three games a week. And if you ignore the plate appearances and just look at pure OPS plus, I think he's, I think he leads the team or he's maybe Kipnis, but the two of them are yeah, he's, the guys. On yeah, he's just a, yeah. He's just ahead of Kipnis, which, you know, it's pretty amazing in its own right, Brian. You wouldn't think they'd oh, get that prime yeah. production from him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so speaking of Kipnis, he's a good jumping off point for the next question I had, which is um, what have you been most impressed or most pleasantly surprised by this season? Well, yeah. Well, obviously Kipnis is, is breakout. I mean, he's had stretches before where he's kind of showed the ability to be kind of an all-around star. I mean, right. I, you, people, I guess, throw that word around, but sometimes they don't really accurately depict what it is. But but if you look at what Kipnis does, he doesn't really have too many weaknesses, and he does a lot of right. things really well. And and when you have a baseball player that can do a lot of different things really well, I mean, that's 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 the key. And he, you know, he's he, and he's he's done it now, going on what two and a half months. So I don't I don't think this yeah. is a fluke anymore. No, I don't either. He it is Go ahead. Oh, um no, you uh, finish your thought. I was just going to say I was just thinking back to sometime in March a couple of weeks before the season started. I I wrote an article 
kind of looking at what a contract extension for Kipnis might look like based on what other guys, you know, similar age infielders, that kind of things had gotten and figured it would take, you could do something like six years, 30 million. Cause he's still got, I think, you know, one last league minimum year, some arbitration. So I think, it, I think I landed on six years, 30 million as what the market had sort of established and was saying, I thought it would be great if they signed him to that deal. Of course they didn't. And I don't know if that was ever really a possibility, but there's a 0% chance he's signing any sort of deal like that with the season he's having. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the risk you take is the risk that you take. I mean, I, you, I guess you don't want to talk about it like it's a bad thing because it's not a bad thing that kept us as having a great year, but you know, it's gonna it's it is gonna cost the Indians a little bit more to if they want to lock him up. So, but that's, that's another, again that's a good problem that's a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm happy for the Indians to have that problem as many times as possible. Um, yeah, I mean he's been unbelievable. I, you know, the best hitting second baseman in the American League and arguably the best overall second baseman. I think he's turned himself into at least a fair fielder. He's a good base runner. I think he's got 21 steals, and he's only been caught four or five times. Um, yep. You know, he doesn't have the, the, the track record of Cano or Pedroia, so I wouldn't put him on their level just yet. But if you're just looking at this season, I think he's been as good as anyone at the position, which is, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he would be good, but he's surprised me just because when you expect good, he's gone so far past that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, anyone, if you pull out a season – if you pull on a season of Kipnis and compare it to kind of a Chase Utley's kind of early career, it, it looked yeah. really similar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite the same fielder that Utley. I mean, Utley's a fantastic. No. Fielder, yeah. yeah but, but everything else. Yeah. Good comparison. Um, is there anyone on a lower level that maybe instead of making a jump from good to great, you just weren't expecting much at all from who's surprised? Or I guess maybe that could be someone like Rayburn, but anyone else who, well, I, I guess we'll head to the pitching staff. I guess the pit, pitching staff, Corey Kluber. Uh, I mean, if you look at his overall numbers, if you look at Corey Kluber, if you look at his overall numbers, they, I mean, actually he's been pitching better of late, but it wasn't until recently that his overall numbers were getting back, you know, to the point where people are taking notice. But if you just look at his peripherals, they've been amazing. I mean, Nine strikeouts and only two walks. That's something Trevor Power can only dream of. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's he's been kind of under the radar, even you know, even for, you know, Indians, people follow the Indians closely. So he's he's been a huge part of this, uh, this successful first half. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I know some people were – uh, were higher on him before the season. He was he was someone I expected to get some starts this year, but certainly not someone I thought was gonna, you know, he's probably been maybe their best starter over the last month and a half or so. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah, and, I, I didn't and, see that. And the and, and the good outings he's had has been like great outings. In other words, right. eight shutout innings in Texas. Um, eight, you know, I think he's he had two eight shutout performances in a row, eight shutout any performances in a row. And, you know, he's, I mean, at times he's looked, I mean, just dominating. Right. Yeah. I, I think the rotation has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, it was so awful last year and historically bad. Um, and so just to have 
an okay rotation has been nice. I mean, Masterson's pitched pretty well. His I I don't think he's a fantastic pitcher. I think he's a good pitcher. I, he certainly doesn't have, I don't think, the talent of, you know, of being the number one on a good team, although that's obviously the role he's in for the Indians. Um, but, I mean, he's given the Indians a ton of innings and, and has pitched pretty well. Uh, you know, three shutouts, which I think is the most, the most in the American League anyway. Um, but, yeah, McAllister pitching really well again before he got hurt, and hopefully we're only a couple of weeks away from getting him back. Kluber, you already mentioned. Uh, you know, Abaldo's gone from horrendous to not very good, but sometimes <laughs> went, you know, if, if you just look at five innings, a lot of his starts look pretty good. Um, you know, Casimir's yeah, been – Casimir's been pretty similar to Jimenez, and, you know, given that he hadn't pitched effectively in the majors for, like, four years, I think that's more than we really had any right to expect coming into this season. Yeah, I think is I there... think the whole kind of the moral of the thing is, like, there's been no disaster, complete disasters. And I guess that's yeah. half the battle. I guess if you – I mean, you could probably pick on a couple relievers, and obviously the Carrasco and has obviously not been – has been awful – in his stars, but right. he's only, he hasn't really been around much to cause much damage. <laughs> yeah. For me, the bullpen has been a disappointment. Um, you know, Pistano, someone who was so good the last couple of years, who's really struggled this year. And you have to wonder, you know, what all maybe, but one, but it's also one that I think, can potentially turn itself around or, or be fixed without any major moves. Um, I'd rather have the bullpen looking shaky going into the second half than the lineup or the starting rotation. Yeah, absolutely. It's easier. It's much easier to fix that on the fly than uh, the other portions of the team. Oh. Um, Danny Salazar's debut, how scale of one to 10, where would you rank your excitement that afternoon? I guess it went. I guess the times it went up to eleven. You know, it's. A, I mean, you, you kind of dream of kind of what a prospect can do, and you know he has the talent. But ultimately, you're you're disappointed a lot of the times because you have this picture in your mind that the player can never live up to. But and when right. he kind of pretty much lived up to expectate. I mean, everyone's you know greatest expectations. And look that good and that with that kind of composure against a very good lineup. I mean, because if he would have, if you know, if he would have missed, I mean, those they had some they had players throughout that lineup that will will jump on mistakes, and he didn't make any. Yeah. Um, so let's say McAllister comes back in you know say two weeks, um, and obviously we don't know what happens in those two weeks with any of the other starting pitchers, but. Just looking at the names we've got right now, um, we've got Masterson, Jimenez, Kluber, Casimir, McAllister, and let's say Salazar. I guess if you want to throw Trevor Bauer or anyone else into the mix, you're welcome to. Which five guys, if you had to pick five and stick with them, which five would you run out for the second half rotation? Well, and they, unfortunately, here's the rub because of the five, of the, the six guys that you kind of you said I'll, there's a, a, at least two or three of them that you really don't know for sure whether they can last the rest of the season, whether due to innings limits 
as far as in Salazar's, Salazar's case, because I don't think there's any way the Indians can pitch Salazar in the rotation the rest of the year, which is unfortunate because they can certainly use him. Um, Kazmer, obviously, who knows how much you'll get from him, beyond, you know, just beyond from an inning standpoint, and that assumes that he can stay healthy. You know, and sure. then you have you know Kluber hasn't pitched a full season in the majors. Uh, McAllister hasn't either. So I, I think if the Indians don't add somebody, they'll have to be you know, be doing kind of the mix and match thing the rest of the year. I I, I think those six you know, the six players would probably be the main guys, but I don't right. think it'll it'll be a constant. So you mentioned if they don't go out and get anyone. Um... Matt Gars has been mentioned, although most recently it seems like the Indians are the teams that's in on him most seriously. I think Cliff Lee's out there is the biggest name, but his price tag, both yeah. in terms of what it might that's be, a pipe dream. <laughs> probably out of the Indians' means. Um, do you think, if you had to guess, do you think the Indians will add a starting pitcher through a trade between now and the deadline? I would think that that they're, that's their main priority. Because, I mean, kind of like I mentioned, the five or six or even seven or eight, you know, pitchers on the depth chart, you know, five or six of them have major issues as far as lasting the rest of the season. Because in that uncertainty, you don't want to hear September and all of a sudden you're down to throw, have to throw in Carlos Carrasco in important games. <laughs> so, yeah, I, don't I, I think they'll – no, I, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> so, I, I think that's going to be their main uh, their main goal. Although I'm sure they will try to get at least one reliever in the trade market yeah. as well. But I, I think the starters will be their main goal. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think I, I, I can't fathom Cliff Lee. I'm not even really entertaining that notion. And Garza seems plausible, but. Like I said, the the latest rumors seem to have. I think it's Toronto and Texas is sort of the front runners, and I don't. I guess Toronto really wants to go all in, um, but the Indians seem less likely to get him. Uh, the other options don't excite me very much. I, I, there's not anyone out there. I agree. I don't have a. You know, the rotation could could use another solid arm, but there's there's certainly not anyone I'd love to see the Indians give up much to get, and it's. You know, without knowing the price tag on any of these guys, you know, who, who it might take to get them, it's, it's hard to say too much. But, you know, two weeks ago, Danny Salazar was someone whose name was getting thrown out as someone who might be in a trade. And it's hard to yeah, watch but, someone but, pitch the way he did and think, oh, yeah, send him off. Yeah, but then, uh, then you think, I mean, you certainly would not be trading the Salazar for three months of Matt Garza. Um, right. And I don't really have in mind too many starters that, you know, I'd be willing to do that for. I mean, never right. mind, you know, anyone and anyone in you know Salazar's class, whether it be Bauer or um, or Lindor. Um, right. So, I mean, I don't think they if they do trade for somebody, it won't be someone. It'll be somewhat of a lesser class, like you know, for instance, like a, a Bud Norris on Houston, who's uh-huh. he's an okay pitcher, but it's kind of what you want. You want someone who can give you some innings, and you know, kind of stable. It helps help give the rotation some depth in the second half sure. of the season when they'll need it. I don't know if you saw because it just 
happened a couple hours ago, but uh, today Major League Baseball held their uh, competitive balance lottery. And uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, in the competitive balance lottery, the I think it's the 10 smallest market teams and the 10 lowest revenue teams are thrown into a pool. And it doesn't actually amount to 20 teams because there's a ton of overlap. So I think there were 14 eligible teams this year, and then six of them get a pick, like a bonus pick in between rounds one and two, and six of them get a pick between rounds two and three, and then two of them are out of luck. And anyway, they had that lottery this afternoon, and the Indians ended up with like the fifth, 36 pick in the draft next year. And what's unique is those drafts, unlike other trade so it's sort of an interesting possibility of if the indians decide they're buyers they do now suddenly have a pretty interesting you know bargaining chip that they can at least can comes of that um I, 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 i'm torn on the buy versus sell um i mean i, I want to see him go for it because you know, what's better than your team contending. Uh, but, yeah, there is, guys don't come cheap this kind of time of year either. No, I mean, and, you know, the, to go back to the, the draft pick, uh, in this year or this coming winter, assuming that the Indians don't, don't completely fall apart, <laughs> they, that, that pick would probably be kept by them because um, – that their first round pick, wherever it lands, would be, you know, if they would actually go out and try to sign another Dick Swisher or Michael Bourne, their right. first, their first round pick would be the one that they would give up, and then right. after that would be this this uh, this kind of bonus pick, I guess. Right. Um, so I, mean, I, look, I, I, I was just going to add that it yeah. was the bonus pick from last year that they had to give up when they signed Michael Bourne this year. Yeah, it was like their second pick, and their their bonus pick last year was after the second round. So, but this year it would right. be it's after the first round. But yep, they again they could use that that bonus pick. It's it's a kind of a, it's a nice pick, kind of in the it should be in the top forty, and that should have yep. some value. Yeah, I think the, the the slot value for whatever team had the equivalent pick this year was like one and a half million. So I mean, it's it's. A legitimate pick. You're not talking about some, you know, taking a flyer on someone. Um, yeah, this isn't like a second so, round pick in the NBA draft. This is, <laughs> this right. is, this is a player that I mean, that I mean, it's before the second round or in that range where usually, I think I saw somewhere that it, I mean, as far there is a large number of players between the first and second round drafted that became all-stars. And then after that, it dropped pretty dramatically. So right. even if you're in the second round, that's a, you could get a very good player. I mean, Kipnis was a second round pick. Yep. Yeah. No matter what comes of it, it's nice that the Indians got it. Um, the other trade speculation of late, and I know you wrote about this, but let's go. Sort of conversation. There've been rumors that the Indians and Cardinals and probably legitimate rumors uh, have been talking about is Drupal Cabrera. Um, and that was something that came up, you know, last off season. And then Raphael Fercal came back 
And so they thought they were set at shortstop and now they're not. Um, so they're certainly seen as buyers and they have a wealth could use more of in their system um but of course the flip side is the indians are only a game and a half back and would how could they you know give up an all-star shortstop and uh and you know there's no sense of whether that's a they're really talking about it or it's a contingency planning unless they fall out um i feel like in your article you were sort of saying you don't think they should look to trade cabrera um is that is that right yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I was trying to play both sides a little bit, but I was leaning towards the side of you probably don't want to rock the boat, even though mm-hmm. I recognize that it's a unique opportunity, and that the Cardinals are have one big hole, and it's at shortstop, and they just right. happen to have some. You know, too, I hate to say this, but too many starters. <laughs> you know, too many starters. They 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 put Rosenthal. Rosenthal in the bullpen. Um, they have some pitch, a couple of pitchers in Triple A that could start eat pretty easily for a lot of other teams right now. Yep. So that I mean, you just you just look at you know the the strengths and weaknesses of each team, and you kind of you kind of see how something could get done. But that doesn't mean the Indians probably should do it. You know, because trading Cabrera means I mean there's a pretty big gap between Cabrera and Avila's as as, as well as we talked about Avilas, you know, he's he's an excellent backup, but he doesn't have the offensive upside that Cabrera can do over the you know over the second half. It's it's very possible that Cabrera could you know end up carrying this team at some point in time. He has that ability. So to forego that, and obviously the message it sends, although you can be try to be as rational as you want, trading one of your best players doesn't really send the signal that you're, you know, ready to 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 go for it at the end of the season. Right. Even if rationally you can, you know, it makes sense. I mean, obviously grabbing one of their young pitchers, one of their top prospects, you could fortify your rotation for the next three or four years. But, you know, at the expense of, of now. Yeah, I have a hard time picturing them making any Um, both yeah i mean fans a lot of fans would flip out and you can say that a team shouldn't make decisions with the fans in mind but ultimately the team's trying to make money and your money comes from your fans and if the fans now not cleveland's attendance isn't great as it is if it were to get much worse um but also, I think in the locker room, I, I think a lot of the other players would be really angry to see a, a deal like that. Um, yeah, you know, someone they. I mean, I know sometimes there's kind of a tendency to say, "Well, it doesn't matter," but in some respects, it does. I mean, yeah. I mean you can't discount it. Let's put it that way. I think. You know. They're literally a team, but in any job, you're sort of part of it. Canadians, Cabrera's been there the entire time. I mean, he's the longest tenure on the team the whole time they have. And I think, you know, it's deflating. I, I, I think of 
you know, my, my friends at work and if grade schools could trade teachers away, how mad I would be if my principal traded, you know, my, my closest friends at work away. Um, so it's easy to say the players should understand because it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I, I, I can understand why they'd be mad. And I think that's really the big reason you can't really go out and make a deal like that if the team's in contention. Now, on the other hand, if, and let's hope it doesn't come to this, but if the Indians were to really lay an egg after the, the break and find themselves six or seven games out the day of the deadline, I would be packing his dribbles bags for him for one of those Cardinals pitchers. <laughs> yeah, in, in that case, I would certainly hope that wouldn't be the case. But you know, we've seen it happen. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if the Indians were kind of where the Royals are right now, you know, right. eight games out or, or whatever, however yep. – I mean that would be the natural fit because you figure I mean you can you can deal with you know um, temporary weakness at shortstop and however long it takes for Lindor to get to the majors for the yep. opportunity of really fortifying a rotation that kind of after kind of the couple teams rated them in Rule Five they don't really have a lot of starting depth beyond kind of the two or three guys in AAA right now right. So that that next that next wave of arms, I guess, it, you don't really see that. And you know, you're you're with Casimir and Jimenez probably gone after this year. You know, you're you're gonna you obviously start thinking about next year and right. who you have in your rotation. Yeah. Since you mentioned him, we shouldn't pass up the opportunity ever to talk for at least a minute about Francisco Lindor. He's uh <laughs> Last night? Was it last night with his debut in Akron, yes. right? Yeah. Um, I think when you were on for, for episode one, maybe I guess five weeks ago, I think at that point there was a debate going on at Let's Go Tribe of should he spend the whole year in Carolina at high A or should he get sent up to Akron? And if I remember correctly, neither of us had a really strong opinion about it. Um has that changed? Are you now really glad he's up, or do you still feel like, eh, whatever? Um, I I guess it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference for his final development. Although I, I guess I am a bit of surprised that they promoted him that quickly because just by kind of reading the comments recently by um, you know, the minor league people that you would think that Lindor would have stayed in Carolina a bit longer, but maybe. Maybe they change. They had a change of heart, um, but it's you know it's kind of a nice step because that the the, the double A level tends to separate out quite right. a bit the the good prospects from the bad prospects. And I'm saying even if Lindor struggles in double A, he should not be con, you know it shouldn't be a mark against him because he's only 19. No, I mean, he's so young. Absolutely not, <laughs> because both 19 year olds are probably in. Mahoning Valley or maybe Lake County right now. <laughs> He's in right. double A and he fully deserves to be in double A. But, you know, it, it's a very, it's it's going to be an interesting test because that tends, it tends to be a big jump from the, right. from the high A ball to the double A that, for both pitchers and hitters. So I'm interesting. Right. I'm definitely interested to see how he, you know, how he fares last half of this year. Yeah, me too. I, I, I think, my reaction to it is I'm happy because to me anyway, it signals that the team 
feels like he was ready. I, they're not going to rush him just to rush him. So no. to me, I feel like the team feels like he's made whatever adjustments he was going to make there, and it was time for some new challenges. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's now in the top five or six on almost every prospect list, and you know, depending on how his second half goes and which guys step up to the majors, I mean, he could. It's totally conceivable that he'll be, you know, the number one or two prospect in all of these nists next spring, which would be exciting. Um, have you moved up your timetable at all for for when you think he might arrive in Cleveland? I, I would still say, I mean, and again, this is based just on based on his Drupal Cabrera's contract. If they don't trade him, I mean, Cabrera is going to be the shortstop next year, and uh, I mean, and possibly at some time. Indians will deem him, say, he's the primary backup if something happens to Cabrera, but I don't foresee him, Lindor, becoming the full-time guy until 2015, you would think. I mean, I guess defensively, he's ready for the major league level, but I don't know if you want to rush him. Kind of like, I think someone mentioned that um, Johnny Peralta, he was 20 years old. The Indians brought him up as a 20-year-old because of, I think Vizquel was hurt at some point in time where they absolutely need him. I mean, if no, there's no injuries or anything like that, I don't think – I wouldn't expect him to be an everyday player until 2015. But, I mean, he's he's a special player, though. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been on board – that's where I've been, too, you know, 2015. Um, last summer when he was playing at Lake County – I went to the uh, the Midwest League All-Star Game, and um, for anyone who has a chance, a minor league All-Star Game is a great time, and it's a great opportunity. You can actually get really close to the players, and they're all so excited to be there that they're pretty outgoing and friendly. Um, so I had a chance to talk to Lindor, and, and I remember saying to him, you know, I'll see you in Cleveland in 2015, and he smiled at me, and he said, oh, I hope to be there sooner than that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I sort of laughed, and, you know, uh, but now I'm starting to wonder, not opening day next year or anything like that, but I start to feel like maybe if Cabrera is gone, because you're right, if Cabrera is here, he's the shortstop. But if they do move Cabrera, I kind of wonder if bringing him up to double A now isn't partially about seeing if he might be ready for 12 months from now, midseason, you know, after like the Super 2 and that stuff has passed. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It, it, it's fun to have a prospect who's who's highly touted and continues to be highly touted. I mean, he's really progressed as well as you could hope for. Um, and, you know, for any team, but I think especially a team like the Indians that, you know, you're never going to be signing a guy to a $150 million contract. Um, you know, a prospect like him is is especially exciting. So, yeah, like you yeah, said, I, I, I look forward that, to following him closely. Yeah, that's kind of like why kind of I was – really on board with the, the Clint Frazier pick because sure. he's a high school kid. He might bust out, but those players are the ones that tend to turn into the superstars and right for, you know, a mid market team or like the Indians are, that's about the only way you're going to get a superstar or unless right. you get really lucky and trade Casey Blake for Carlos Santana. <laughs> 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 All right. One last question. Then looking at the second half, if you could pick one player on the Indians to have a big, big second half, who would you pick? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Kipnis has kind of already had his 
big sack. I mean, so I guess I won't cheat by saying this, but I guess I'll go back to Estrubal Cabrera. Um, he okay. was because it seemed like the first half he, I think he had that quad injury most of the first half. Right. And then he finally, you know, injured it, you know, seriously, he had to miss a big chunk of time. Although he came back a lot quicker than anyone expected, you know, and then he had kind of like the post, you know, post injury kind of slump that you would expect. He didn't go on a rehab or assignment or anything, but the ladies started right. to hit the ball better. And if the Indians don't trade him, you wonder if that will be kind of a relief to him because I'm sure he knows about all the rumors and stuff. And sure. I, I think he'll be a big contributor. Yeah, that's a good answer. I think, yeah, I, I think you're right that he he would be, you know, it'd be great to see everyone on the team have a good second half. But uh, yeah, good choice. <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> we're we're. Well past half an hour already, so I guess we should start winding this up. Um, yeah, thanks for joining me again. Um, no problem. And we'll we'll talk again. I expect once more before the season ends. I look forward to it. All right, thanks a lot, Ryan. Okay. All right. Well, that's that. Um, so again, the Indians are off Thursday, which is when this will probably go up. Uh, then get back to action Friday night in Minnesota, three games with the Twins, and then the road trip continues in Seattle for three more games. So it'll be a week from Friday before they're back home at Progressive, uh, taking on the Rangers and then the White Sox. And it's during that White Sox series that the trade deadline will hit. So, you know, these next couple of weeks, uh, hopefully the Indians continue to play as well as they did the last couple series before the break and uh, overtake the Tigers. Uh, Let's Talk Tribe will be taking a, a two-week break, which I know trade deadline's a bad time for that, but I'm on my way to Tanzania next week to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, hopefully, and then just like R.A. Dickey, I will come back and win the Cy Young Award. Uh, but when I get back... Um, I'll get someone on the phone to catch me up on the last couple weeks of action, and we will talk tribe again. Thanks a lot.